If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. That was a great episode. So You know what's so cool? Fire. And I, and I mentioned it in the episode with him is that, you know, we got, you know, we have our team that reaches out or communicates with like people that are reaching out as far as who want to be on the show. And, you know, sometimes we get so busy, we don't get a chance to like really dive deep into it and we just approve or not. Right. And there was somebody that I don't even know who approved it originally. And I remember looking it up and going like, oh, shit. This is the sports science guy, dude. I've seen like every fucking episode. Like one of my favorite shows. Yeah, he, he, yeah. I was like, well, I should yeah. know this. Yeah, he hosted sports science, but his company, his his production company, also produced like fight science. Which so I don't watch sports science, and I watch the fight ones, but I, I watch, watch the, the fight, fight science one. Yeah, they both are a great show. Yeah, and this guy, this guy's brilliant. He's a, uh, we're talking all about what makes great athletes great. Um, he had a TED talk that was real controversial a while ago about mm-hmm. how. We should let uh, boys and girls compete together in sports. And he actually made some very, very good points in this very episode. Very compelling. I thought I would disagree with him a lot more than I actually did. I didn't disagree with him that much. He actually made some really good points. Great conversation. This yeah. dude was oh, a yeah. really, really cool guy. I'm so glad we had him on the show. I'm upset we didn't have more time with him. We're going to get him back. Yeah. It, yeah, no, we'll definitely do another one with John. You, you sure. can look up those episodes, too, those those sports science ones and fight science ones on, on YouTube so you can kind of see some of the cool stuff that they did. Yeah, I can't. If you're at all a sports person, I can't imagine you don't know who this is. I mean, that it is like it was one of the top shows. It's just yeah. cool stuff. Like, the, I remember one episode of Fight Science, they were seeing which martial art produce the most power with mm-hmm. a kick and they broke it down by the science like where how the force is generated the contact point you know which one was the hardest they had muay thai and taekwondo and karate and it was just really cool so if you're into you're, you're if you're into that kind of stuff i think you'll love it um now you can find this guy on uh twitter i think that's his biggest uh platform it's at john brankus brankus is spelled b-r-e-n-k-u-s underscore um, so John Brankus underscore, that's where you can find him on Twitter. His website, johnbrankus.com. Um, yeah, great episode. Also, I do want to remind everybody, there's only four days left for the 50% off MAPS anabolic sale. Now, the whole platform has been revamped. So the yeah. blueprints are brand new. The videos are brand it's new. It's out now, too, right? shiny. It's out. Yeah. It, it's easier to read. It's easier to follow. Um, and it's 50% off. You have four days left. After the four days, the price goes back up to its normal rate. So here's what you do if you want to get 50% off. Go to mapsfitnessproducts.com and use the code RED50, R-E-D-5-0, no space, for that discount. Now, if you want to look up any of our other programs, if you have different goals aside from building muscle, speeding up your metabolism, getting stronger, uh, we have a lot of other MAPS programs. They can all be found on that site, Maps Fitness Products. Dot com. So that's it. Here we are talking to John Brankus. Where are you flying to after? I'm going to L.A. Oh, back home. Los Angeles. Oh. I actually don't live. I live in Park City now. Utah. Utah. Oh, oh I don't know. Do you, do you, do you uh, ski or snowboard? I do ski. This year I'm taking it off because I, I got my knee done. Oh. So this year's a this year's a no ski year. But Sco- it's all golf, man. Oh, yeah. It's all about golf. <laughs> How'd you hurt your knee? So... I had a just it's just bone on bone and uh, a bunch of bone flaked off and rather than getting a knee replacement I got this new awesome robotic surgery. Wow. Um it's called the Mako and it basically chisels away your bone and replaces it with metal and it's pretty ma- it's pretty amazing. So it's much quicker recovery time than uh, a knee replacement. 
Um, and I'm doing, I'm doing incredibly well despite my, you know, slow sort of gangsta leans. <laughs> so you're going to turn bionic eventually, eventually, you yeah. know, when, when everybody says, you know, um, Ray Kurzweil wrote a book, uh, called the singularity. Is yep. There. yep. This operation was done by a robot. And my doctor's like, what? dude, I'm an amazing wow. surgeon. This robot is 10 times better than me. Wow. He's so like, is this the, the doctor operating the robot from another room, right? No, the doc. So the doctor, uh, essentially you take a 3d scan of your knee. So you have three compartments to your knee. So two of my compartments had to be replaced. He scans it, and then it's using the software to say, "This is what I want That's the bone to insane. look like." No, the bo- literally the the robot pins your tibia, pins your femur, puts it in place. You place the robot so it knows where it is in space, and hit go. It's wow. all autonomic. And then it just goes and like chisels away the bone, replaces it with metal, and. We, we've arrived. We we have arrived, man. I mean, there's going to be one of these robots. Um, it's made by it's made um, um, it's made it's called the Mako, like I said. And there's going to be you know a ton of different competing robots to it. There's going to be it's literally going to be like when you go in a car wash. They're going to be like, do you want a new shoulder? <laughs> you know, like you're, it's 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 going to take over the world. You have to imagine at some point trip. that's going to lower the cost of surgery so much when you have you can mass produce these machines and you don't need to pay them like it's, you do a doctor. Yeah, it's pretty nutty. I mean, it's pretty nutty. The 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 magic in it is is just diagnosing someone correctly that they're a candidate for it. Because right. I'm 47, my ACL, PCL, MCL, and meniscus are all intact. So it's I'm the perfect candidate to mm. have this done you know if i had torn my acl or something then you couldn't have this done sure um so not yet really, at least not yet yeah. exactly but um it i mean the robotic surgeries i mean they're they're coming and coming fast and kaiser covers this <laughs> it actually, yes it is Sweet. it is covered by insurance yeah that's, that's, cr- the key. that's crazy that's the striker so, yeah the striker maker there it is look at that oh Love that. wow look at wow. that look at that the Johnny future. on the spot. Right. The future is <laughs> Thanks, here. Doug. That, that's what it is. Yeah, it's unbelievable. If we could just take all the scientists that are working on sex robots and just dedicate them towards those things, <laughs> oh, yeah. they'd, they'd be, we'd have them for everything else. You know? they've, they've been here forever. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where you've been. <laughs> Man, I'm really excited to have you on the show. You know, uh, I, I don't know who it was on your team that reached out to ours, and we get so many of those sometimes, and your name, I didn't recognize your name. And, you know, they, we have people that go through all the stuff and say, hey, this guy's a good fit for the show and he's coming on. And we were looking at some of your stuff the other day and I was like, oh, shit, it's the sports science guy, dude. I'm so excited to talk to you. I've watched like every episode, yeah. man. It's yeah. pretty funny. We had Bill Nye on the show. We did an award show and I asked him for official permission <laughs> Can I be referred to as the sports science guy? Oh yeah, <laughs> you should because be able to. I have no. I'm like very few people are like Brinkus. Yeah. Everyone's like sports yeah. science. Yeah. Yeah. Sports science so, guy, dude. Yeah, what a funny. what a great show. Let's start there and yeah. talk about uh, now. How much of a role did you play in creating it? Like, how did that all happen? So it all happened. You know, my brother in law and I had a production company called Base Productions, and we literally had two different divisions. Now, mind you, we started out of the basement of my parents' house. And we had two different divisions. One was the sports division, and we did all of the programming for, they were even the Washington Bullets back then. It was the Bullets and the Capitals. Um, They were owned by by, um, Washington Sports and Entertainment. And we did the coaches' shows, the PSAs, the player profiles, anything that wasn't the actual game we were doing. So we, we were killing it in that space. 
because we ended up getting the Rangers and the Rams and the Coyotes and a whole bunch of different teams. So we were winning tons of awards, Emmys, and uh, it's called IDEA, IDEA Awards. And then the Discovery Channel, which was in um, the D.C. area, they're, they're in Maryland, they decided to launch this crazy channel called the Science Channel as you know, as a, a small production company, base, base productions was, we were just known for creating really cool, hip stuff. And the producer from the Science Channel is like, we want you to make science programming. Well, what kind of stuff were you producing then? So what were you guys doing for all these sports teams? So we anything that wasn't the game. So if you were in the arena and you saw anything on the Jumbotron, oh. we created that. Oh, if there was okay. a commercial for the team, we created. If there was a coach's show, we created. Oh, okay. There were mm. fan magazines that were video magazines. We, mm-hmm. cr- we created anything that wasn't the game. Excellent. Oh, cool. So we, so we were diving into player profiles and what made somebody special and whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was very um, hands-on in terms of sports. So then, when we, then we get into the science aspect I mean, I'm a I'm a geek for sport and science. I mm-hmm. grew up in the D.C. area. We had three Super Bowls with the Redskins, World Series with Cal Ripken, uh, NBA championship with Wes Unseld and the Bullets. Like I'm, I'm just a I was a total sports geek. So I'm also a science geek. So when we get a chance to work with Discovery and making Science Live, the Young Scientist Challenge, mm-hmm. put put anything science, and we were all over it. So we then became known as a production company of the guys that are making science. The big change came with a show called XMA, Extreme Martial Arts. Clark Bunting, who was the GM of Discovery at the time, said, you guys, you guys are, are, you have a specialty in sport and a specialty in science. Let's look at what the great masters of martial arts do because they're fading away and new martial arts are starting to blossom. Let's look at the old martial arts. So we teamed up with a company called Animal Logic out of um, New Zealand that had just finished this little movie called The Matrix. Mm. Yeah. And they were on hiatus. <laughs> little and movie. <laughs> they're, and they're looking for something to do. And we're like, hey, we got a show. We want you to do this thing that just shows you know, amazing martial arts. Now, that show was so successful on Discovery. Na- uh, Fox, Fox came along, who owns National Geographic, and said, we want you to do the XMA thing, but science it up. So we created a show called Fight Science. Yeah. We brought in the world's greatest martial artists. Oh, I remember the show. Shaolin yes. monks yeah. and grabbing uh, arrows and everything. Exactly. Out of the yeah. Exactly. It was awesome. So it was awesome. It was, you know, which style generated the most amount of force. I remember yeah. this. What a great show. And, and it was top 10 of all time on National Geographic. Then Fox owned Geographic and they also owned Fox. They put on Fight Science opposite the original Peyton Manning versus Eli Manning Sunday night football game. It was their top three show of the year. No advertising, no nothing. People were like, oh my God. It, the GM at the time was like, people love this stuff. What else do you have? So we have this thing called sports science. We're going to look at every sport, every athlete. They're like, wow, that's an amazing idea. How are you going to get the athletes? I'm like, they're going to come in for free because they're badasses. Right. And they're not, when they're, you're like, Don't, you'll never get them to roll out of bed for less than. 50 grand. And I'm like, nah, if you're great at something and you give somebody a platform to show oh, yeah. how great they are and measure it for them. Exactly. <laughs> and teach, teach them something. They're all over it. So we started off and one of our very first guests was Jerry Rice. Then it was Larry Fitzgerald and Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger and Ray Lewis and just went on and on and on. We ended up running, we were on Fox for two years. We were on ESPN for nine years, ran 11 seasons, did over 1,800 episodes. 
and won six Emmys, wrote a New York Times bestselling book. It just went on and on and on and on. And I became the host because the GM at the time at Fox said, who are you going to get to host it? They were licensing the, pro- the um, property from us. And I said, whoever you want. You can have whoever you want, whoever you want to pay for, because you're licensing it from us. I'm not going to pay a host. So if you want to pay a host, knock yourself out. Right. So, he, so he said at the time, he's like, you're going to host it. <laughs> so you host it. I said, all right, I'll host it. If I suck, I'll fire myself. Right. This is, you know, I own the company. I own the production company. We're making the show. So it, in terms of how involved, very involved, you know, I was the you know, creator, writer, producer, director, editor, like it was doing everything. We hired a phenomenal team that, you know, carried us on um, for 11 years. And it's been, you know, been, an, it was an amazing ride. Now, when you're doing, when you were starting out with these shows, the, the fight science and sports science, were there preconceived notions you had about these uh, just extreme athletes that were completely shattered? Like, do you remember the first time you were, you had an idea yeah. like, oh, I think the reason why, you know, an athlete is good at this is because of this. And then it just, Totally changed your mind. Absolutely. Jerry Rice actually is a great example. So Jerry Rice, when everyone's like, oh, why is he the best receiver? People are like, he's big and he's strong and he's fast. You ask Jerry Rice. He's like, I'm not that fast. No. No. And he's like, he doesn't rank in the top 500. I don't even think he was the fastest guy on his team during that time either. He wasn't the fastest guy at his own position. Like he wasn't that fast. Now you say, so how can you be a great receiver without being that fast? There's a phenomenal stat that I love to point to that is top five running backs of all time by yards gained. Can you name the top five running backs by yards gained? Emmitt Smith, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders is up there. Yep. LT. Okay. Right, LT. Walter Payton. Walter Payton and Curtis Martin. Mm. None of them. OJ, but no. No. (laughs) None of them are taller than six feet. They're six feet and below. None of them were the fastest on their team. Most weren't the fastest at their own position. So this gives you an example when you're like, well, bigger, stronger, faster is better, but it's not. Here's why. There are two laws, two Newtonian physics laws that prove this. F equals MA, force is mass times acceleration. This means that the bigger the mass, the bigger the acceleration, the bigger the force. So if I'm really small and really fast, I experience a tremendous amount of force because there's a second law. Two objects that collide each experience the same amount of force. Right. Wear so and you, tear. It's that wear and tear. So you can't be Brandon Jacobs, who was the largest starting running back in the history of the NFL. He's not going to go down as one of the greatest of all time. No. You just can't, you can't endure the punishment. You also can't be Javid Best who was one of the fastest, he's one of the fastest athletes ever in the NFL. There's a, a, a stat that, su- that really supports this. In the electronic, era, uh, electronic timing era, the top 10 fastest 40-yard dash times, according to the NFL's electronic timing, top 10 uh, fastest offensive players, eight of, or two of the top 10 have 1,000 yards in a season, the other eight don't have a thousand yards in their career. Mm, wow! Hmm. And that means that if you're a GM sitting back, if someone's like way high on the chart in terms of speed, you don't draft them. Now, do you do you think that uh, NFL teams have recruit started recruiting different since your show? Like, for example, 
uh, I think it would be very, very normal for a NFL team to go to the combine, look at you know speed as the number one thing mm-hmm. that we're looking for because it's a wide receiver. Yeah. And because of the information that you've put out on the show, do you know if teams are looking at different things instead of just that? So I do know that I, this is what I can say with confidence. We have changed the draft That's position cool. of a lot of players. Really? Yeah. So quarterbacks, wide receivers, you know, DBs, running backs, I mean, <clears throat> especially the skill positions. I mean, you just the when what's interesting is if you're drafting a team, look, you know, look at look at the the Patriots. Right, their wide receivers are dudes who look like me. <laughs> right, like Belichick. Like Belichick might recruit me. Yeah. You might be like, "Hey, come here. I need you. I just need you to run this route. You got to have the courage to go across the middle. Brady's going to get you the ball on time. Everything's great. He's going to have great protection in front of him. He's going to have plenty of time to make a decision, and he's going to get you the ball. He's built the team the correct way, which is inside out. Right, like building it with the skill players around you." The truth is, and and it, it, was, it was amazing experience. And we did Monday Night Football forever, and we were doing segments for them, you know. And you had you know the analysts who were very good friend of mine who would they would sit around and watch guys. You'd be like, wow, that guy's amazing. They'd go, nah, just another dude. There mm-hmm. are tons of guys off the street just as good as this guy. And you just what happens is that someone makes an amazing play. They keep making amazing making amazing plays because of the scheme they have. They develop a name and that name develops value and all of a sudden you say, "Oh my god, that guy is so much better than this other guy." Yeah. But the truth is is they just got exposure and they're easily swapped out. Mm. So you see that often, you know, if, if you look at look Antonio Brown um, you know, in in uh, Smith Schuster, you look at the well. Who's the better receiver? Well, you know, Smith Schuster is getting a lot of lot a lot of action because Antonio Brown was the double, main receiver. Yeah, double covered, right? So, <laughs> would Smith Schuster be somebody if he was on a team where he was the number one? That's that. That's that's the question: is mm-hmm. is he good enough? Right. Is is Antonio Brown so good? And he's been on the show several times. He is a special, amazing, incredible receiver, but. He also has a Hall of Fame quarterback. They also have an amazing offensive line. They also had amazing running backs. Right. Mm-hmm. Like all those things that fit together change your view in terms of one singular athlete of when you say, how great are they, especially uh, in the sport of, bas- of uh, football. Now, you had the opportunity to have all kinds of the, the biggest, baddest guys come through uh, your your show. Did you have one that just stood out that was like, Holy shit! Like just we're blowing numbers off of everything, and you were like, "I've never seen something like this before." Yeah, I mean, it's it, what's interesting is so in Dominican Sue. I remember that episode when he hit the, the, do, the crash this, test. With his forearm like this. Oh my lord! <laughs> Everybody, it was interesting because it was one of the first segments we shot for ESPN, and it was literally the tackle heard around the world. The build, the physical building shook. Huh. I mean, it was it. it he was and. Anybody who knows him, he is the nicest guy. Yeah. He you have you've never read anything about Indomitian Sue off the field where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, he got in trouble. He got in a bar fight. He right. got what he's just a clean living, awesome guy. Which is funny because everybody thinks he's the opposite because of his attitude on the field, right? Was stepping <laughs> on guys and doing whatever, you know. And he be, and he and I definitely have become very friendly. And what's funny is he's like, you know what's interesting is that here you have in the NFL these stories of like, oh, I've you know, I played dirty or I stepped on a player. He's like, did anybody watch my college tape? 
Did anybody watch me almost kill quarterbacks in college? That's why you drafted me number two. Right. Like now you want to say, hey, you're at the professional level. Stop being ferocious. Yeah. Yeah. Stop it. He's like, Calm what? down. He's like, it's no different. Yeah. You know, it's really, it, it, he's really a fascinating guy. And yeah. he's like, look, I'm on the field. I play incredibly, incredibly, fo- I'm focused, I'm determined, I'm super intent. Off the field, I know the rules are different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need to be a nice human being and very kind, but you're paying wow, me. Wow, you can separate the two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 He can't. Imagine it's, that. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember the first time I saw a professional athlete just running, uh, just this big human being who you wouldn't anticipate to, to move that fast. And to see it in person is totally different than watching it on TV. But what did it feel like getting handled? Because there were episodes where you're getting choked out by pro fighters. You're yeah. getting hit by you know yeah. professional football players. Was it? I mean, was it totally different than what you could have expected? It, yeah, it was. Generally speaking, people are like, "Oh, what's what's the worst that you've been hurt on the show?" Now, mind you, we own the company that made the show. Is the host of the show, so I'm, I'm like. I became the crash test dummy because I'm not going to sue myself. <laughs> I'm like, this is a dumb idea, but you know, I'll do it. So I, you know, Vernon Davis dragging me and we were trying to hold Vernon Davis back off the line of scrimmage to like, now just think of this. We're sitting around. I mean, this was actually, this was actually um, thought of ahead of time. We're sitting around going, let's see if we can hold Vernon Davis off the line with a with a water ski tow rope. That'll be amazing. And we're like, yeah, I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah. This is in the early days. So he launches me five feet off the air. I crash down on the ground. All the all the skin on my arm is shaved off. I'm like, oh, no. this is that, that goes into the file of not terribly well thought through. <laughs> so there, there I'm like, is, there, there is. it is. I mean, it's, this is just like it's totally like attaching yourself to a drag race car. Yeah, right? it, it's yeah. totally ridiculous. We had a um, there's an episode called the Nutty Buddy where I take a, a shot to the groin wearing a cup that's called the Dunny Buddy, <laughs> not a 90-mile-an-hour fastball oh, no. to the, to, you know, r- right to uh, the, the area. And, you know, we're, I'm standing there, and I'm freaking out. And I'm, say, I'm like, this is the dumbest idea ever. And, the, and you know, the, the guys who make Dunny Buddy, they're like, trust me, we test this thing. It's going to be fine. I'm standing you know, like four feet away from a pitching machine. Yeah. And I'm like saying to myself, what if it hits my bladder? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what if, what if it just somehow caroms off and, and isn't right? So I'm like very worried, worked out all fine. Everything was great. The, the, one of the funniest uh, episodes was we had um, Dwight, uh, Dwight Freeney. I'm just standing there. I'm like, what would happen if I just stood there, just, just standing and Dwight Freeney hits me. <laughs> so I'm all padded up. I'm standing in my shoes. He literally hits me Wiley Coyote style out of my shoes. You came like, out of your I shoes. I came out of my shoes. I'm just standing That's insane. there. Now, was this, from a, was this from a just dead stop or was he running at you? Oh, no, he's running at me. Oh, gosh. Yeah, he's running at me. And it was just a bang and I'm out of my shoes. Like, That's think crazy. of how hard you have to be hit. I had Brandon Jacobs hit me. The uh, the the clip on Brandon Jacobs hitting me is ridiculous because he's the largest starting running back of all time, and he hits me so hard. It it's it's the the, the if you look it up on YouTube, it's so ridiculous. But what the hit that you see is hit number seven. Oh God! Because he's you had like a retake or what? <laughs> it was a um he he's like dude I'm gonna kill you. 
He was actually I'm, afraid. To... He was afraid he was going to kill me. Which, oh, wow. He was letting up on the first ones. Which was a legitimate concern. <laughs> I'm like, but even running half speed, you could kill me. So let's just, if it's going to happen, let's just get it over with. Let's, like, let's right catch away. it on camera. Right. Because I'm oh, like, I don't, want, I don't want these tiny little numbers popping up on the screen. I'm the biggest running back of all time. Right. They've got to be real numbers. So, you know, nothing, nothing in the show was ever embellished. We always, like all the numbers had to be real because if they weren't real and word got out, then people would be like, ah, that's a bunch of crap. Now, I would so, imagine, too, these athletes, I mean, they got to be having fun doing all this stuff. So are yeah. they like, try, I mean, they got to be back there trying to do the best they can to improve their numbers, yeah? It's yeah. amazing. I told everybody when they came to lab, I said, look, when you are doing anything, not, this, is a, this is a true side. You can look up the amount of injuries that happen in practice versus games. Uh. Like when you're going 80%, and your body's not entirely engaged, you get you're more likely to get hurt than if you're going 100%. That's interesting. Because you're just your body just isn't ready to absorb someone else's 100% effort. Mm. Right? So in practice there are just way more injuries. So I'm like, look, we're setting up this test. This test is something that elite athletes can that do. So we set up a test where like, look, if I can do the test and do it well, then it's not a very good test. It's got to be something that an elite athlete can do. Like if you go 100%, this is a one take thing. Mm -hmm. So guys get all amped up and all jacked up and they want to show how, you know, how good can I do? You know, we had Marshawn Lynch and dragging tires, you know, and, and eating bowls of Skittles and seeing, you know, how <laughs> Skittles end up affecting him, um, doing blood sugar tests. Like Marshawn is a trip. You yeah. asked about like people who made a huge impression, you know, Ray Lewis in a massive impression is one of my best friends. I have a foundation with him called the Ray of Hope Foundation. It's Ray of Hope um, Foundation.org. We're having a big event down at the Super Bowl. Yeah, I was say, you guys are having first. a Super Bowl party together, right? Yep. Yeah, I believe that we made that as a deal if you're going to come on the show that you get us three <laughs> tickets, I think, to go. <laughs> yeah. and go. Ah, I like your style. Yeah. I like that, man. Are you guys going to be down in Atlanta? <laughs> well, shit, we might have shit, to. We might yeah. have to. Yeah. Yes, we will be. I'll get you. If you guys go down to Atlanta, I'll get you in. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, God, we're going now. Yeah, yeah, now we are. Yeah. Yeah. You guys find a plane ticket in a hotel room. Good luck. I'll sleep in a tent. I don't care. <laughs> so we'll get you into the party. It's awesome. I mean, so Ray, Ray is an amazing human being. So you would be a fun person. My, my buddies and I, we this is like, I mean, we've done it since we were kids. We love to like look at these super athletes and then like, what if, you know, yeah. what if he did uh, yeah. this? So like, what if LeBron James played soccer? No, what if right. LeBron James played tight end <laughs> in football? Like, Our, what, yeah, football. What, do you, what do you think? So let's, let's do the math. Let, let's all just sit back and do the bath on it. The question is, can he play tight end? And we all know the answer. Of course he could play tight end, right? right? Yeah. But he's big. Yeah. He's really big. He's yeah, monster, no, right? he's massive. He's, he's Gronk big. Right? <laughs> He'd be, he's, he's big, yeah. right? I mean, the, the, the dude, we're not talking about a small tight end. So what do our equations tell us? Right. And F equals MA. Could he have played tight end? Sure. Would he play 10 years without getting right. hurt? Not a chance. It's the long game. Really? Right? right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, there's no way. Yeah. And that's why when you're thinking, well, God, which sport should I play for him? You're like, look, you might sprain your ankle in basketball. You might sprain your wrist and something might happen. But, you, you're, but you're not going to break your femur. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to like, you're not going to just get destroyed like you can in football. Mm -hmm. So that's really, that's really the question. But LeBron is one of the greatest athletes of all time. And in fact, we did a whole, uh, an eight month study of the greatest athletes of all time. Mm. Who's the greatest single athlete to ever walk the planet of all time? Who what are your stipulations? Uh, the, now, for all the stipulations that. Yes. are 
So this is what we did. We created a 30-category aggregate metric. So it means that you got ranked and you would add up all of the points based on your ranking in 30 different categories. Okay. The criteria was how good were you versus the competition you played? How good were you versus the competition that came before you? How good were you relative to the competition who came after you? And how good are you relative to the other people who were analyzing? So mm. where it was mm-hmm. where it was applicable. So you take somebody, uh, you know, you take somebody as an example, like Jim Brown, right? Is Jim Brown the greatest athlete of all time? You take Michael Jordan. Is he the greatest athlete of all time? So we created this metric and I created a category that was just durability because I wanted it to be the Bo Jackson killer. Mm. I just said, you know what? A lot of people are going to go, well, Bo Jackson's the greatest athlete of right. all time. Right. That's, he was, that's an immediate thought. The immediate thought. Now you think about it. People that came, you played during, before, and after, and against everybody else, right? Bo Jackson today in the NFL is a monster. He still is amazing, right? So I said durability. After we we spent eight months just really, really fine-tuning this metric. Turns out the greatest athlete of all time is Bo Jackson. Wow, yeah. Even though he ranked low in durability— he was so high in speed and agility and power and coordination and blah, blah. And as it, as it turns out, in durability, Jim Brown only played football for 10 years. Mm. Bo Jackson played baseball for eight. Right. So it wasn't that short of a career. Right. I mean, imagine him just playing football. Like, right. I, I keep thinking about that. Or just baseball. I mean, he was in both really high demanding sports and he's the only athlete ever to be an all-star in two professional sports mm. so crazy and everyone goes no nah, Dion was Dion was not yeah. Bo Jackson is the only person wow. that's pretty crazy so Bo Dion's up so Bo won huh Bo won oh wow Bo knows and Bo came on the show and I I mean I do not get starstruck I'm, yeah I am like the I've dealt with thousands of right, right, thousands of greatest athletes. But when Bo Jackson comes on your show and sits down and you're honoring him as the greatest athlete of all time and you're you know, you get free reign to be like, So how did this happen? How yeah. does that happen? I'm like a kid in a candy store. And I asked it, you know, I, I literally this was actually before the thirty um thirty for thirty aired on on uh, Bo. Which is a great which, I, is, a great which is a great yeah. episode. Yeah. True story. I'm like, you know, how did you have remember his arm was unbelievable. How was that? How was your arm so amazing? He's like, I stuttered as a kid. I was small. I was bullied. And we had crab apple fights all the time. And I would have to pick up crab apples and throw it at my cousins and friends to defend myself. And that's how I developed a strong arm was defending <laughs> myself, throwing crab apples. It's crazy. And I'm like, how are you so fast? He's like, I had to run away from everybody. Yeah. That's, I mean, <laughs> like real practical things. Like yeah. Practical thing. And here's a crazy thing that people don't know about Bo Jackson. The very first time. So in, uh, so he uh, grew up in Alabama and the very first time um, in high school in his senior year, his coat, he started obviously develop. He obviously was, was developed and was no longer, you know, the small kid, but he's still, you know, he's still speech wise. He was like, you know what? I, you know, I had a little bit of a stutter and I, you know, wasn't what, you know, wasn't great with the media, but I was, people were noticing me. Um, his track coach came to him and said, you know what, why don't you do to the, the decathlon? And he's like, the decathlon. He's like, what's in that? 
and they start listing off everything. There's like the high jump and the hundred meters and then he gets to the mile and he goes, mile? <laughs> he goes, I'm not running a mile. And he's like, coach, I'll do the decathlon as long as I don't have to run the mile. And the coach said, well, you have to be ahead by so many points that if you get a zero in the decathlon, you still win. He's like, all right, I'll do it. And he won. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> he won. Without running. Without running. The, Shut the fuck up. literally was Are sitting. You serious? Just a natural. It was the last event. And he was sitting in the stands and he's like, I know I already won because nobody, nobody can score enough points to beat me. Wow. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Amazing. So uh, talking to some of these, these extreme athletes and the, and the best in the world, like what, what is the, what would you say is the thing that really, if it's not size and strength and speed, like you had mentioned, you know, you talked about how the, 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 the best running backs of all time were not the fastest. Jerry Rice wasn't even close to being one of the fastest. What is it that separates these great athletes from everybody else? So there are two things. One is the audacity to believe you can be great. Like, think about that. Now, when you show up and you're like, you know what? I think I could be great at this and have that. I call it that superhero voice in your head that you actually believe with you know guys who are 300 pounds in front of you and you weigh in the average weight of the top five running backs is 215. Mm -hmm. So say you weigh 215 and you're looking at a guy who's a hundred pounds heavier than you. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you know what? It's nothing. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to crush this. Mm. I'm going to figure my way around it. The audacity to believe that. The second thing is that great athletes, and we did the study with, um, you know, men and women in special forces, they don't get nervous. Mm. You don't get nervous. And we had Travis Pastrana when he, he set the record for the longest um, car jump in a sedan down in Long Beach, you know, jumping onto like a, a like an, like a, a carrier. His heart rate coming out of the tent was 85. Shut up. Dude. He wow. gets into just the sedan. Chill as fuck. He's just doing just extreme chill. stuff all day. Right. Yeah. Gets into the car, 85. Drives the car. 85. Wow. Launches 85, lands 85, gets out of the car. It's 140. He's celebrating. Wow. It's just just a Jordan. Do you think Jordan at the free throw line is freaking out and his heart rate is like, oh my God. Or you think Jordan's like, dude, I got this. And when, if he doesn't make the shot, Jordan's not like, darn it. Oh, I stink. Right. He's like, um, look, it was the Next ball. Time. It was the ball's fault. Next time, <laughs> yeah, it's the ball's fault. I mean? That's stupid. Ball. I'm just not that. That mentality of being calm, and I love to to analogize it to, you know, you think of somebody who's a Navy SEAL, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, when when you know everything's hitting the fan, are you calm or are you freaking out? Right. And that's it. I'm like, look, I'd be a terrible, you know, like I wouldn't even qualify because I'd be the guy out of the room. Someone in the special forces or, you know, a Jordan or a Tiger or a LeBron or whomever, they're standing there and they're saying, I got this. Yeah, well, that's where you yeah. see the, the greatest emerge is when all the stakes are even higher. And, yep. and then they're the ones that, that, you know, pull through because they're so calm. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I think we have a lot of evidence to, to show that that mental state is so important. I mean, humans, we're, we're so limited by these arbitrary limitations, these mental ones, a four minute mile is an obvious example. Everybody uses, um, you know, we've seen this in extreme sports, like the first guy to do a flip in a, in a motorcycle. Next thing you know, in that same Mm -hmm. season, 15 other people do it and it's not that big of a deal. Right. How, how do people, is there a way that people can improve 
upon that? Or is that something that these guys are born with? So I'm going to refer everybody to a book. And this is, I am not saying this is correct. Uh, Rise of Superman. But I am going to tell you, it is an interesting, interesting theory and way to look at the world. There's a guy named Rupert, Rupert Sheldrake and the theory of morphic resonance. And the theory of morphic resonance is that thought does not originate from inside your head. Thought, our, our DNA is a receptor to external messages that are being sent. So at the messages that we receive as humans are the human signal. Dogs receive the dog signal. And there are all of these animal studies that are done where they'll take ants and ants will be will be building an anthill. They'll take uh, half ants from the north side of one hill, swap it with the south side of the other hill, and the ants will continue to build in the correct direction. They'll switch. And the question is, well, how do they know? They didn't. They you don't. They don't even know they were moved. They were moved in a pile. There are experiments with mice where they put they take mice um, from the same exact genealogy put them in a maze and they put the, you know, half in London, half in New York, and they solve the maze within a few minutes of each other. You take the four minute mile as an example, the four minute mile is an arbitrary distance, arbitrary time. It was the impossible, right? So Roger Bannister does it in 1954, 46 days later, it's broken again within the next, it's then broken 300 times in the next 10 years. That's once every 12 days. Is that because we is that because we saw it or is it now just part of us of oh we can do that when we started sports science one of the very first segments we did was sean white doing a double cork can you believe that right and now if you can't do a triple cork like you're not even competing it's the it becomes part of us Hmm. and becomes part of the accepted things that we can do and you can think about this and again I started this by saying, I don't think it's right, but there's something to the idea of it becomes a part of us that when some, you know, whether it's a mental or physical activity, we as a collective species believe, oh, I can do that Mm -hmm. and I can do that even better. Well, yeah, you just, I mean, Hmm. to your point of the two major things that make these super athletes is the audacity to believe that they can. Obviously, seeing somebody else do it increases that for sure. A hundred percent. So, you know, I want to get into your TED Talk. We, uh, You did a TED Talk not that long ago um, in in regards, and I think it's a great uh, conversation to have. And potentially a debate over it because uh, I don't even know if I fully agree. Uh, and you make the case that uh, boys and girls should be competing against each other from day one. Talk about that a little bit. So, so here's the idea. Look, my I have a ten year old, I have a ten year old daughter, and I have a twelve year old son. And as a parent, and doing sports science and growing up, I'm like, you know what, my daughter. She's a three, she's three time Utah state champion in gymnastics. She is her, her power to weight ratio, her power to strength ratio is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. She has been the fastest, not girl, but human in all of her classes. Right? So when they start separating out teams and say, okay, we're, we're going to make a soccer team today. All the girls over here, all the boys over there. I'm like, why would you separate my girl 
my daughter from the boys when she's way faster, way more coordinated, way stronger. Like my daughter is better than any of the, any of the boys. My theory is, look, when we talk about the, the greatness that humans can achieve and you say, who's the better athlete, a man or a woman? I always say, well, what sport are we talking about? Mm-hmm. The strongest man is always going to be stronger than the strongest woman. The fastest man is always going to be faster than the fastest woman. But are those really the metrics that we're measuring? Because I just proved to you F equals MA. You don't need to be the fastest. You don't need to be the strongest. People immediately point to football and say, well, women aren't going to play in football. And I say, fine, men don't play football. The worldwide percentage of men who play professional football is 0.000002. That's zero. Mm -hmm. So men don't get to play it. I didn't get to play it. You guys aren't playing professional football. So why not from the get-go, if we're going to argue and argue about true equality, why not have boys and girls just play sports together? Girls will dominate until age somewhere between age 12 and 14. They mature faster. They're more coordinated. They're smarter. They're everything than boys up to that point. Now, boys will take over at age 14 until whenever, but isn't, don't you think if we line up billions of girls from day one, now this is, this can't happen today. You can't mix them together today. Mm -hmm. It would have to be day one. If you mix them together, I point to baseball, darts, bowling, golf, sports where you're like, where does a man really have an advantage? Yeah. If you take the billions of boys and girls, give them equal rules, equal access, and equal expectations, the number of women who make it at the highest level isn't zero. I don't, I'm not, I'm, I don't know what it is, but it's not zero. And for some reason, I haven't heard anybody else raise their hand on this. Why do we still have a tea called the ladies' tea? <laughs> Like why, like, why is the ladies' tee the closest tee? What's the world record for men in the long drive championship? It's 417 yards. What's the record for a woman? It's 407 yards. Like, there's no biomechanical disadvantage hmm. that a woman has of swinging a bat or swinging a club. There's just no disadvantage. People who dissent about the article all say, well, you know, look, by college, there won't be any girls left. I'm like, well, look, right now we have a men's team and we have a women's team and then you have practice squads whenever mm. my argument is let nature sort itself out. So more skill and kind of physics based sports is, is what you're saying. I think the, the, obviously the side where, I mean, like what I say, well, no woman's going to play offensive line. I can't even say that for, for sure, but you would say, okay, let's just throw that out. What my argument would be is look in basketball. Well, can a, could a woman Play, play in the NBA if you started them from day one. I think a Maya Moore type point guard would somehow break through and be just as good. Mm-hmm. We had John Wall and Maya Moore in the lab at the exact same time. Oh, cool. They ran the exact same tests and Maya Moore ended up her, her, through these agility drills, dribbling the ball. She was one one hundredth of a second slower than John Wall. Oh. And you're like, you know, it's some a point guard, not a center. And John Wall is one of the fastest point guards in the game, too. Ever. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Ever. He was the number one draft pick. You're like, you know what? I think that if we if we have an open mind about it and if we don't get caught up, like like I point out darts and bowling. 
Why is that? Yeah, why it is makes that no sense. Yeah. No, yeah. you make a good no, point. Uh, yeah, for and, sure. And as a girl, if you're a girl growing up, right, today, you're like, I want to be a professional athlete. I want to play tennis. You say, oh, well, you know what, sweetie? You only have to play three sets. You don't have to play five. Because if you play five, you're going to die. <laughs> only men only men can play five sets. It's like, I want to play basketball. Oh, you know what? The games are shorter and the ball is smaller. <laughs> like, well, I want to play. So like, each, like yeah, I want to play golf. Oh, well, the tee's a lot. It's 50 yards closer. Yeah. So, because you can't hit the ball as far as the boys. Like, that's what we're modeling. Where if you model for some, I mean, I'm 5'8", 160. I'm not a great athlete. And guess what nature did? It weeded me out. I didn't get a chance to play at a high level. I played youth sports, but if there, and there were, and, and even during my time, there were plenty of girls who were, who were better than I was. And now I got into endurance sports. And you look at, when I talked about who's a better athlete, when we talk about endurance sports, who's the only person to win back-to-back bad water Ultra marathons, 135 miles through Death Valley. Only human, Pam Reed, mother of four, is the only person. The longer a race goes, the hmm. higher percentage of women winning. Who's the only human being on the planet? 7,000 people have summited Everest. There's one person who swam from Cuba to Florida mm-hmm. without a shark cage. Mm-hmm. A 63-year-old woman named Diana Nyad. Yeah. Right. So who's the better athlete? Usain Bolt or Diana Nyad? It's kind of apples and oranges. They're different sports. We can't just say, oh, that this is the definitive. No, mm-hmm. that's an, you're making a, a, a very compelling and actually brilliant case uh, because it, 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 I, you know, I'll extend this to other things as well. And I, I actually believe with, uh, I'm on your side, especially the way you're explaining it, where if First and foremost, we just talked about those the, the limits that we impose upon ourselves. Yep. And you have to imagine that kids growing up being separated by gender probably imposes quite a bit of limits on uh, on the girls themselves. Yep. Now, some sports, I would argue, probably will favor men at the higher levels, the ones that require more size and more strength. The ones with endurance, I think you made some great cases that you know women tend to if we look at the extreme athletes, they 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 actually are, are a little bit better at enduring. It could be with their because of their ability to store more body fat, and that's more readily available fuel that you use at those those types of things. It could be that they're maybe less anaerobic, and so they burn energy at a slower pace, which is more beneficial. But I th- I think you're making a really really compelling case. So rather than you know break up the the, the sports, especially for kids, is is you know boy and girl. Maybe just make them like the best the, the best players compete in this league, and then if you're in this, you know, ABC type of type of deal. Totally. When people say, "Oh, it's not fair," it's never going to be fifty fifty. And like, since since when is fifty fifty? What? Why is it supposed to be? Yeah. It's not, why do we want fifty yeah. fifty? Yeah. Why do you? Why is that the right number? When you're like, well, it's the world's half women, half men. It's going to be fifty fifty. I'm like, not in every sport. Yeah. In bowling, it might be. In football, it's. It, I, I love to say men don't play football. Other that that's some that's a it's different true. You category. Put, you put me in football and I'll die. Right, I'll literally die probably within the first five minutes. Right, you can't <laughs> yeah, you play. Would, and yeah. okay, so no women can play either. Fine. <laughs> Who that there's and I love the idea of being weeded out, like realizing. So I I as an athlete, I was the fastest kid in sixth grade. 
I, you know, I set the record for Vienna Elementary for the 600-yard dash in the Presidential Physical Fitness, which has a boys uh, standard and a girls standard. The girls have to do fewer push-ups. Girls have to do fewer sit-ups. Yeah. The girls don't even dare do pull-ups. They, they, just hang. Do, a, they, they hang. do a bar hang, right? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. how insulting is this mm. to a little girl to say, I mean, when they're literally in second grade, you're never going to be as good as the boys. In fact, we're going to lower the standards for you. That's insulting to me. If someone said, Brinkus, you can join us, but we're going to lower the standard. You're like, what? Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, wh- where it really makes me upset is when the standards are changed for uh, certain physical jobs. There's actual police departments and fire departments and the military where if in some cases, if you're a woman, you, in order to qualify to do this dangerous job, you have to do less push-ups, run less with less speed, carry less weight, all in the name of, you know, because I think some equality, people- Equality, which is funny that that's the way yeah. we're chasing Yeah, because the real equality would be, here's the standards, if you can do it, then you're in. doesn't matter if you're a boy or girl or whatever. Totally. The, the other, I think it's extremely patronizing to say, no, your standards are lower because- so I actually agree with you. I thought I'm, I would actually disagree with this point, but you're making some very, very good points. I think, and and I love the reason why I'm most passionate about it is because I'm witnessing it with my kids. Mm-hmm. If you look look at the sport of lacrosse, it is exploding. I mean, it is unbelievable <laughs> how many kids play lacrosse. So my mm-hmm. son, you know, is an avid lacrosse player. You look at girls lacrosse; it's not even the same sport. Mm-hmm. You wear no pads. You're not allowed to touch somebody else. You're not like they, they don't wear helmets. Mm-hmm. They want you can't hit anybody. I'm like, they, like, huh? Mm-hmm. So this is because women are weak and fragile. I'm like, what? It doesn't make any sense to me that it's not even remotely the same sport. And that modeling is bad. And in in, in terms of politically, when we're sitting back and we're all and if we're arguing about who gets to use which bathroom. I'm like, let's just start with, can't we all just play together? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like play together. And I believe it's a good thing to be weeded out. I think it is a very good thing to, you know what? I was the best in sixth grade. Genuinely. I was the fastest kid. Seventh grade. I was like top 10. Eighth grade. I was probably top 30. Ninth grade. I was probably top 50. I just kept going down the totem, the totem pole. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a good thing for me. That's what inspired that. When you look at sports science, I became in awe of the guy who played in front of me in football, ended up playing professionally in the CFL. He was so much better than I was. And I'm like, how is he so, like so much faster, so much stronger, so much better? That's a good thing. It is a humbling thing. It is a realizing what you can and cannot do. I didn't get any breaks. I didn't get any special treatment. I was just told sit on the bench. Yeah, in, in, in reality, <laughs> yeah. the argument you're ma- making isn't really, you know, men are better than women or women are better than men. Your argument is see what happens, and there's a lot you can learn from being weeded out. I yeah. mean, there's, you know, and when I looked at your, I watched that TED talk and I read the comments underneath, and it was very controversial. You had people going back and forth, and people were bringing up like, there's been a couple cases where like professional soccer female teams were playing the under 18 men's team, you know, and and losing by five points and all, you know, as evidence that men are better athletes and, you know, they can't even beat the under 18 men's. Well, you know, how would they compete against? But I like what you're saying about what's the difference. Fine. If, if a professional league doesn't have any women, but you know, from birth, they're allowed to compete together. 
that can only be a good thing. And then you had mentioned how, you know, Bo Jackson got so good because of his adversity. And and how do you feel about how children's sports are being done today where, gosh, when I was a kid, it started right around after I stopped playing sports as a kid where they don't want to keep score. They're giving everybody a trophy. They're not letting anybody lose. Like, how do you feel about that? Because I feel like there's a lot lost in that. It, it, I think it, I think it's I think it's an atrocity because losing when you when to lose something there are so many great lessons right did you, did you lose because you didn't pull your weight did you lose because the scheme you were playing wasn't very good even at an early age you learn from losing you learn from it failure my my wife has a great expression failure is a fun and interesting lesson. You get to learn, like, ah, you know what? I, this is why this didn't work. What if Michael Jordan had made his JV team? We all know right. he didn't. What, it, it was a good thing that he didn't. Why was that a good thing? Because he's like, why did I not make my JV team? And I've had a great opportunity to get to know Jordan. He Like that fire of, right. I'm coming back, and not only am I going to make the varsity team, I'm going to crush it. That idea of, look, I failed. I didn't work. Going off to play baseball. I mean, thank God he went off to go play baseball. And he's like, I'm not at that level. You know, I tried. I wasn't. I need to go back to the thing where I can dominate. That's a good thing. And in any career, when you sit back and say, am I great at this? And do I love doing it? That's when you fail at a job or fail at an occupation, it's a good thing because you now have eliminated something you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Go find something that you're better at, no matter what it is. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're we're I think it's a huge problem, um, and I think the the bottom line is life is going to make you you're going to lose that shit anyway. Mm-hmm. Even if you try to protect kids as much as you want, at some point, right. life is going to hit them really hard, and they're going to have to figure out how to deal with it. So, how do you talk to your how do you talk to your daughter about this? Because I'm sure she's grown up in this this era yeah. of you know we all get trophies if we lose. So, what does what does that conversation look like? So we're at you know she's at that she's at that TED talk, and what's interesting is in gymnastics. It, what's in, in in gymnastics is she you know we're, when uh, she's level six like you know, college Olympian level is level ten, so she's in level six now and she's ten so she's doing really well. She they give out the top some meets will give out like top ten medals and she will say that's pretty ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> do you see like tenth place at the Olympics? Now she'll be first and she's like, well, I'm first no matter if there are people have ten or people whatever, but giving out all those medals is really encouraging kids. Keep going, keep going. You got a medal. You did really well. It's in where my daughter will just say, you finished 10th. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't yeah. know. Is that good? There were 12 girls in the meet. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that's so good. And I say to my daughter, say, don't ever let somebody tell you that you're going to lose because you're a girl, if you're running against somebody, if you're playing soccer against somebody, if you're playing lacrosse against somebody, if you're skiing against, I was like, don't let anybody tell you that. And there's that, there is the, um, uh, Heidi Volker, you know, had this, yeah, um, never let the boys beat you, uh, phrase in this last, um, Olympic. She, she, you know, had skied long ago. It's good. And is a, uh, very good friend of mine. And Michaela Schifflin is mm-hmm. the, um, now like the baller in skiing. And, 
there's not a whole lot of advantage that a man has. What a man has is greater mass. So coming out of a turn, you can have greater G-force and you can shoot out of it. But, you know, Lindsey Vaughn's not a small person. Right, she could she could dominate because she wasn't tiny. Right, right. So like like let them ski together, and and like Heidi is totally on board. And the comments and the TED talk about oh well we couldn't beat the eighteen year old whatever. I'm like because you guys weren't playing together since day one, hmm. and if you were playing, you guys divided it up by gender. I bet if you had started playing from day one, those teams wouldn't have been all boys, all girls. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's an interesting theory, and you're making me think about, like, <clears throat> if you've ever watched uh, basketball in the 50s, like, when, like professional basketball in the 50s, mm-hmm. it's really... John Wooden era. It's yeah, really, like, basketball. slow mm-hmm. and fundamental, and it looks like the women's professional team could probably beat these guys. And, you know, we over time, you've seen the game evolve. I mean, now when you watch basketball, you know, compared to the 50s, it's like, oh, my God, the best team I don't think could handle the, the best team today because of just the way the ball moves and how fast and how much science has evolved, how much we've learned and play call everything. So it makes me think like, wow, maybe if if girls had that ability to be playing professional basketball since the 50s, where would they be? Where would they be? And I've seen the evolution of it just in the last 10 years. I remember the first time that, you know, the WNBA came on and I kind of like, I scoffed at it. Like, oh God, this looks boring. I don't want to watch this. But I've already seen in 10 years the evolution of their game. It's it's fascinating to see how much better they are and how more skilled they are today than they were just 10 years ago. Did you watch, wasn't it UConn Notre Dame that was just on? Didn't, didn't Notre know. Dame just upset? No, I didn't see oh, that. I didn't see it. it was, I mean, you, I, I flipped it on. I couldn't stop watching. Hmm. I'm like, these. this is just amazing basketball. It, you know, One thing for your audience, I'm sure there are tons of people who have, I think actually it might have been Bale or not, not, uh, um, not uh, Notre Dame. But for your audience, have you ever run a marathon? Have you ever done an Ironman? Have you ever run a 5K? And has a woman ever finished in front of you? And when guys are like, <laughs> and it's called getting chicked, yeah. I'm like there is no shame in getting chicked yeah. in realizing my, like I can say in all sincerity, my wife is a 10 time better athlete than I am. Hmm. She's so much better than I am. No shame in it. Right. Yeah. Like she for first half marathon, she runs a 125. I could never, I like my legs would fall off <laughs> to run a one. She's just better. Yeah. Like it's just that simple. You know what it is? It's it's funny because what we try to do, we forget that we're individuals in the sense that we try to claim the victories of some some group that we feel like we fit in. Like yeah. for example, I have a buddy who's uh, who's Greek, and uh, my family's from Italy, and so we're getting these debates over the Romans did this and the Greeks did this, and I didn't do shit. He didn't do shit either. You know what I'm saying? So when, when you look across the spectrum, and we can do this, we can generally look across the spectrum and we can see that men t- tend to make up the, a larger percentage of the extremes. Like there's more crazy criminals that are men and there's more super extreme, you know, certain types of performers that are men. But does that, does just because I'm a man, does that mean that I get to be like, yeah, you know, we're, yeah. what did I do? We're all individuals. Right. You know, if you put me in, you know, I did jujitsu for a long time. You put me on the mats against Ronda Rousey, she's probably going to kick my ass. And even, it doesn't matter if the best men in the world could beat her because, right. you know, that's really, I think, what it boils down to is just look at the individual. And it's, it's funny when, when we talk about these mental limits that we place on ourselves. 
it's I think you're right. It's almost impossible to see how deep they are and how far they 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 are. Like how much they've impacted us until we we just did an episode where we talked about the placebo effect and um, just how incredibly uh, powerful it can yeah. be. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they have to measure. They have to add. You know, you know, in studies, they have to account for it. So. I think you're making a very compelling argument. I want to I want to take you back to the sports science and and CTE and football and I I, I want to get your opinion on um, or, or actually find out what kind of strategies like the NFL is implementing or like how they're they're really going to address this massive problem. So I'm gonna so I'm gonna say this is quasi controversial. So we know let, let's call it, let's call it CTE. It's a new thing, right? What is CTE? We don't we don't really know exactly what it is. We don't know exactly how you get it. We're piecing together a cause and effect that may or may not exist. Are we looking at the cross section of brains of an 86-year-old woman who never played sports at all to see if she has CTE? We're taking athletes, right? And if we then argue, we then argue that you know what these these combat sports these collision sports are bad and you have a higher risk of getting CTE you have a higher risk of breaking your leg you have a higher risk of getting your eye poked out you have a higher risk of getting all kinds of stuff and if we're to really be serious about this and really truly say i care about CTE so much that I'm not going to let my child play a sport if there's a risk of them getting it. Mm. What sports are we left with? I, I mean, the number one on the list of where you can't let them participate is any kind of extreme sport that's in the X Games. They can't skateboard. Mm-hmm. They can't. They can't ski. They mm-hmm. can't snowboard. The rate of concussions and the age of the concussions is out of control. The NFL, I think, did a very poor job of getting out in front of the message and saying, Mm. look, there's a new piece of evidence out there that collisions cause CTE. We're going to look into it across all sports. We are going to lead the way and we're going to look at with the NHL and we're going to look at rugby and we're going to look at boxing and we're going to look at the UFC. We're going to look at everything because we're that concerned. So Mm. my answer to it all is I think as a species, as a general consuming public of sports, I don't think we care all that much. Mm. I don't think we're not going to watch the Super Bowl because we think someone might get a concussion. Mm-hmm. The high, In my proof is, so what's the highest grossing pay-per-view event ever? <laughs> Mayweather. Mayweather McGregor. McGregor right? <laughs> what were they fighting for? Yeah. <laughs> like, Bragging rights. Yeah. Bragging rights. Like yeah. literally it was a glorified backyard brawl. And was anybody saying, oh, my God, one of them might get a concussion. Like, nobody cared. It's just a – so while it's a problem and while I think, yes, we absolutely should look into it, it's just like anything else. We should look into it. We should see if there's the cause-effect relationship. Yes, absolutely. But once we find that out, are we really going to change the rule? Are we going to say no tackling in football, no tackling in rugby? Mm. No, you can't skateboard. You can't. Are we really going to say that? Yeah, they were, I they, don't think we are. They were, I read an article where they were speculating on CTE in, in soccer players just from right. uh, from heading mm-hmm. the ball. 
Um, no, I mean, I think you make a really good point. I think the the, the big challenge is going to be because of public perception. I don't think professional sports will change, but I think a lot of parents, especially nowadays, we're so afraid of our kids getting hurt. I think you'll start to see maybe some redu- some lower numbers of children playing tackle football, just like sure. you saw with boxing. You know, sure, yeah. So, but other than that, I think you make a really good point. And, and the benefits of sports, I believe, outweigh some of the you know the negatives. They outweigh the risk, right? I broke my femur when I was little playing football. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Right, like, but I learned. I learned a whole lot. Right, you right. just like I got. I get injured. You get injured doing a whole lot of things. I I love to point to the stat. Everybody can look this up. You want to know what the most dangerous thing in your house is? People are worried about guns. They're worried about pools. They're worried about the most dangerous thing are steps. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, steps. I mean, the your your foot clears each threshold. We did a show on um, probability. And it was all about like you clear steps by a quarter of an inch with your foot. Like you just know, your brain knows, oh, I need to barely clear it. My aunt, thankfully who lived this, on Christmas Eve fell backward down her stairs. And she she broke her C5 and C6, oh, well. had to have oh, emergency yeah. surgery. It was awful. And I, I keep telling everybody when they're like, man, football is dangerous. And sh-. I'm like, your stairs are. Dude, your stairs, look up the <laughs> Those stats. Are gonna get you. How many people hurt, get hurt? Stairs, curbs, no. thresholds, things that are just a little bit off your, that your brain didn't anticipate. They're really, really dangerous. Are we going to ban stairs? I doubt it. Yeah, it's true. Our uh, humans are pretty uh, irrational when it comes to fears. It's because the number one killer in Western societies is uh, you know heart disease. But you you don't see people yeah. fleeing you know McDonald's because they're so scared <laughs> yeah, exactly. of fast food. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you know they they want to ban you know like you know every single gun or you know which you know the odds of getting killed by one of those is so much lower. So exactly, that's hilarious. Well, John, yeah. before we let yeah. you go, because I know you got to you got to hop on a plane and stuff. You said you alluded to uh, you got you got some things in the works. What do you got? What do you got going on right now? So we have a lot of stuff. So you're going to see a lot. of of uh, offshoots of sports science that are okay, coming up. Sweet. So I did it. Did um, we did uh, a whole bunch of stuff with Trent Dilfer called Soul and Science. You can go to soulandscience.com. We looked at all the all the quarterbacks entering the draft last year and panned out pretty well in terms of our analysis. And we did stuff with Thursday Night Football. In this upcoming year, I have a new venture that will be launching that we'll be announcing soon. Um, that's all. It's all taking what I've done and building upon it. Right, like not being complacent and. You know, sort of saying, hey, you know, like sports science, I I, I would love to, th- when we started sports science, it wasn't even a real term in our vernacular. And I think that we I humbly opened people's eyes, put a little mm-hmm. dent in the sports universe, just mm-hmm. did something that was different. I want to raise that bar and just keep doing something that's different and looking at things um, through a different lens. Um, to to allow people to have a new perspective that they you know I never thought about it that way because I th- I think the making people think and giving people real facts to really debate over I mean to me that's that's what it's all about right you want you really want to learn and you want people to try to poke holes in your own argument because may, maybe I'm wrong mm-hmm. and I could be wrong on something we did 1800 segments. There's no, no one in the athletic or academic community that said, I don't think that's true because we made really solid arguments. I want to keep raising that bar and pushing those limits. That's all. You know, I do awesome. want to ask you one other thing. Sorry, not to let you leave so quickly. Right. 
do you think the same attributes, those mental attributes in in top level athletic performers, do you think those are the same ones that we would find if we were testing top business performers and top academic performers? Surgeons. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, think about, think of the audacity of, you know, think of this, the Steve Jobs or, you know, sure. Tim Cook down. Like, think of the audacity. I mean, I mean, Jobs is like that great profile of, do you think he was nervous when he was making the Macintosh or the iPhone, which was the iPad came actually before, but he then said, wow, this could be a phone. When he's like, I want to make a single piece of glass. It's just glass. That's all. No buttons. I don't want anything. Think he was scared? Or do you think he was just, he had the audacity to believe he could be great? That, I keep using that phrase because a lot of people are like, you know what? I think that I want to make Invention X. Nah, that's stupid. Right. And the great things happen by those who are, use your word, whether it's stubborn or, or brilliant enough to be audacious and to be like, don't be scared. My message to everyone is don't be scared to be great. Like greatness is inside of you. Just don't be, don't be scared to be great. Just keep pushing the limits. Great way to end the episode. Yep. Right Thanks for coming on. Awesome. Right on. Thank you. Appreciate you guys it. are awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. So appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.